Hello, this is Mary. And this is Chandler. And you're listening to The Miss Fisher Files. Welcome back. Today we're talking Marked for Murder, Season 2, Episode 6. I'm sorry to say that the first thing I wrote in my notes is Harry Butt. <laughs> Keeping it classy, folks. Oh my gosh, there's no escaping it. I know. That's like almost the first thing you see. Yeah. And I, it took me several watches to realize that there was even a tattoo that had like... Oh, the noose. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is oddly fitting. It is. I didn't. I couldn't read what it said. I didn't even bother. Oh, because I didn't I was either. So... Pro tip, don't tattoo a noose on your butt because <laughs> that might be the way you die. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're sending a message to the universe. Yeah. But Live yeah, by don't, the sword, don't do it. Die by the sword. <laughs> so yes, Harry Butt. Harry Butt. Uh, I, I, walked, I watched this with my husband and uh, he did the same thing. We've both seen it before and he's like, man, <laughs> that is a Harry Butt. <laughs> Harry Harper. <laughs> is that his name? Yes. Oh, that's just wrong. American television would not do this. No. Nope. Nope. We are not in America anymore. And I'm frankly very glad. Like, it's... It's true, but I... I yeah, I I could, don't need to see a I hairy could, butt, like, under any circumstances, really. <laughs> I could have lived without seeing yeah. that. But I still appreciate that, I don't know, they show human bodies the way they are. Right. Because I think... Right. Even if it had happened in the U.S., which I doubt, they w- the guy would have had to wax or oh, something. I know. You know, like wax it would have been. Yeah, it would have been totally fake yeah. and sanitized. I fully acknowledge that this is more a reflection on me and my own, you know, puritanical <laughs> tendencies than it is on anything else. But yeah, yeah I'm with you. So, um, so hello, hello, uh, Harry yeah. Butt. Hi. <laughs> um, half-assed recap, TM. Half-assed recap. Uh, it's about football. Someone dies. Footy. Bunch of dudes get mad because there's rival teams. <laughs> Franny doesn't really care. There's all these men in this, and she doesn't sleep with a one of them. It's true. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And they find the murderer the end. <laughs> How's that? That's pretty good. <laughs> I so don't care yeah. about team sports in general, but especially... Sportball. Sportball. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't. But um, If this were a hockey episode, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I think there were some sport. some other sports that I could have gotten into. This one I can I can look at in a different way um, because I am from the U.S. where we don't have this kind of football. Right, like U.S. football is entirely right. different. And, and so, in fact, I think they both derived from the same source, but they evolved hmm. sort of like animals on isolated continents. <laughs> they evolved separately into their own oh. very different sports. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can see that. Evolution would be different on different islands. Yeah, it's like marsupials versus... This <laughs> right. is like the marsupial version of football. <laughs> so it's interesting, I guess, from a different cultural perspective to see how that culture views this game. And it's yeah. very... I mean, it's also similar to yeah. what well, happens and, in this and country. And like any, any sport ball that is very popular in a, in a country, people are really invested in it. Like if this were, you know, soccer, football in say any spanish-speaking country mm-hmm. for instance or most of europe um or american football in america i mean people are into that and they i mean we live near seattle where it's seahawks nonsense 24 7 yeah so, you know if i if i 
do a piece of artwork that happens to have blue and green in it. People are like, oh, you did Seahawks colors. Oh, I'm like, geez. thanks. Thank you. I know. Thanks for People that. People are crazy with the Seahawks. Yeah. So <laughs> totally weird little detail that actually I think you probably noticed as well. Mm. The sign on the outside of the locker room that says proud home of the barons. Oh, yeah. I, um, I drew the R from that. Uh, yes. It sexy it's the little, R. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I knew it. I knew you'd see that. <laughs> I like paused it and just stared at that sign. It's a nice. It's a nice sign. Yeah, There's yeah. another one that's sort of faded somewhere. I think inside the locker room. Yeah. It's like the same it's one. It's clearly but, a real locker room wherever they yeah. filmed that. Oh my gosh. The thing is like, it's like a the West Elm paneling wet and... dream or something. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's like all the paneling yeah. and those wired or baskets. Like Paxton Gate in San Francisco. Have you been there? No, I haven't. It's a, it's an indie store. It's like a taxidermy Kunstkammer. Whoa. Yeah. Manly. Taxidermy. Okay. Kunstkammer. Wait, is there feminine taxidermy? Is probably. that a thing? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Brooklyn listeners, was, let us know. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I just thought it was an interesting distinction to make. Manly taxidermy. That's true. I bet there is. I bet there is feminine taxidermy. I would like to see that. On Etsy. Oh. Oh, totally. Pink painted cow skulls. With- <laughs> Or just, like, the same animals just done differently. I feel like yeah. manly taxidermy has the animal, like, growling at you or... Yeah, like, rawr. Yeah, Also, rawr. like, plaid wallpaper and wood paneling. That's, like... Oh, like yes. male manly humidor smoking jacket. Totally. Den. After uh, dinner, leave the ladies to themselves. We're right. going to go talk about boring stuff in and this room over here. And smoke our cigars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, under the water buffalo that I took down in... <laughs> Senegal. <laughs> well, it was just I drinking just water. Stories. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so that sign, it's beautiful, yeah. and the locker room is gorgeous, yep. and it's I, I love the sets in this show. Yeah. Like they found some really spectacular locations. They to really use. did, and I took a lot of notes on that arts and crafts mansion. Ooh, that they they filmed a lot of it yeah. at. Yeah, and you know, my my husband and I are both big fans of the arts and crafts era and we were talking at length about that and and the thing that I pointed out to him is you one of the hallmarks of that era is if you look at the pillars of that mansion I don't know if you noticed when when Franny is hiding lurking with overhearing that conversation oh right you can see these pillars mm-hmm. holding up the porch and um they have these column capitals and everything but they are cast iron they're not stone, they're not plaster, they're or so stucco, they're cast they, iron. And that was a hallmark of the early, especially the early arts and crafts era because it was a new technology. Huh. Rather than wrought iron, um, my favorite building in the whole world is the Oxford Natural History Museum in England. And it is a cathedral of science. It was done in the style of a Gothic, neo-Gothic cathedral <laughs> Um, but everything about it is scientific, and it was all done using new um, technology and materials that they were able to build with thanks to the new technology of cast iron. Hmm. But it was all done by hand. Wow. And they, they employed local craftspeople. It, it's really amazing. So the bulk of the building is made out of cast iron and glass because they could support this fully glass ceiling with cast iron, which is very strong but lightweight. Huh. Whereas previously, they'd have to build everything out of stone or brick. Okay. Um, so 
that was something they used a lot in that era. And so they would mimic these older architectural styles with brand new materials. Oh, so whenever I see cast iron pillars, I'm like, yeah, Victorian era. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. That's pretty amazing. I just saw the side of it and I think you had called it Italianate. Yeah, I would the say that. The style with the, is that wrought iron work that's um, done on the side? And this is Sydney Fletcher's house, by the way. Yes. Backing up. Um, so, and it's got all that iron work. Like we've seen, I think, uh, Deputy Commissioner Sanderson's house right. had this too. Has that, and yeah. I actually wondered if it was the same place. I, I don't think so. This is a slightly different style. It's a little simpler. And I don't know if there's a certain term for it. I'm not sure it's quite Italian, but... There, you often see this style in um, Scottish Presbyterian churches of the same <laughs> okay. era. I don't know why. Wow, um, that's that's. But they're niche. often <laughs> built out of that red sandstone, hmm. and they have that kind of castley style about them. But they're from that same era, so you see a lot of stained glass, like you see in this house, hmm. a lot of neo-gothic features but done with newer materials okay. and the they're simplified. The stained glass is gorgeous yeah, in this place. Gorgeous. Yeah. There's one part where one of the coaches, I can't remember which one he is, Gibbs maybe, I don't know, um, is standing in front of a window and I think it has cherries or something. Yeah. I did a little, a little drawing of that too. And it? it's either, it might be cherries. It might be. Maybe they're like holly. It could be. The leaves something. don't, the leaves are smooth, but. It also could be, sometimes you see buds represented as little circles. Like oh, it yeah, could be sure. Plants, like. Well, yeah, and that's sort of an arts and crafts way of handling yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure it's, I don't know how specific it really is because that can describe a lot of plants, but it, I love that motif, that kind of very geometric mm -hmm. plant motif. And that's another thing they did during the arts and crafts era was they would take natural forms and themes, but then make them very, very graphic. Yeah, love the work of, Charles Rennie Macintosh. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. just thinking of the, the rose, the Macintosh rose. Yeah. And his stuff is, I mean, that's what he did. He took natural yep. forms and, and did these yeah. amazing stylizations of them. And Like the rose that's inscribed in a square, which is just everywhere in the arts and crafts era. Yeah. Um, William Morris was another one. Um, John Ruskin. John Ruskin had a hand in the Oxford Natural History Museum. Hmm. Um, all of these guys. Um, and they, for the most part, I mean, they... They were actually, a lot of the arts and crafts era was created as a response to the Industrial Revolution that, that came about in about 1850 in England. Um, that's when the Crystal Palace mm. was constructed in 1851 um, for the World Fair. Um, and there was this backlash because they were celebrating all of these new technologies like the cast iron and being able to build entirely glass structures and new methods of weaving and textile mills and everything else. Um, but the arts and crafts era was saying, okay, that's all well and good, but we don't want things that are cheaply made. We want craftsmanship to hmm. endure. We want um, artisans to be respected. And so what they did was they came up with this beautiful marriage of these new materials and mass production, but with hand craftsmanship and beautiful design. And huh. It was really kind of the epitome of that stuff. And I think we've talked about this before, but at that time, the manufacturers were trying to emulate handmade work. What, and it, what time period was this, This roughly? was the late, well, it started in the 1850s, but it went okay. all the way through, the arts and crafts era went all the way through to about 1930. Hmm. Um, and so I'd say the peak era was about 1890 to 1925, about there. 
and that's where, you know, Craftsman Houses came through. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the end of the era. Um, but the ultimate compliment was for something to look like it was handmade. But now it's the opposite. It's interesting how our cultural preferences mm-hmm. have shifted and what we're used to. Mm-hmm. We're used to crappy mass-produced goods now. Right. Where it used to be that, you know, mass-produced goods were had very high craftsmanship because the ideal was to strive for the handmade Stuff that was done 100 years ago, so at the end of the World War One, the early 1920s, that stuff is so highly sought after now because it is so well made. It hmm. was mass produced. People's houses were produced in kits. Right. People could build things themselves using these kits, but it was so well made and hmm. it is still, still lasting now. So about this show... <laughs> I did write some stuff down about the show. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to decide where to go. Um, There's a whole hell of a lot of menswear. You want to? You want to go? You want to go down the menswear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's some really great men's suits in this, and all of you know. You don't think of athletes as being natty dressers, but oh boy, these boys are. Uh, especially um, Stan Baines mm. and his three-piece plaid suit and his rosette. That yes. man is a snappy dresser. And there's a great, there's a great little bit um, where, for the funeral, he's wearing the same suit, but he swaps out his waistcoat for a black one out of a sign of respect, hmm. which I think wow. is such a great little. Or it's actually not black; it's more of a dark navy. But so it's still huh. like in the team colors, but it's more formal and it's more of a sign of respect. And I think that's such a great, um, great moment. And of course, they have their black armbands on the left arm, which I think is so classy. People don't really do that much anymore. My husband does. Does he? Yeah, and he catches all kinds of hell for it. If <laughs> someone in his family dies and he wears a oh, black wow. armband, people are like, "What is that?" <laughs> um, but there's also a great moment where um, Vincent, I think, is his name is wearing this wolf suit and it's a much more old fashioned cut of suit. The waistcoat is um, cut much higher so that the button of the waistcoat, the first button begins just below the collar. So normally in this era, the waistcoat is going to dovetail together mid chest height, but that older style is just below the tie. (laughs) And the collar is such that there's a very narrow, it's a very wide collar and there's a very narrow slit. So the tie is really narrow and it is just, so beautiful that hmm. suit is yet another thing that I drew in my notes here there's just oh there's I mean I could go on and on oh Sydney and his shark skin suit <laughs> shark skin suits are hideous they're not actually shark skin no they're, it's a close woven ah, it's got that satin. shine yeah. yeah it's like a satin or a sateen I'm not hmm. entirely certain what it's made of but um but it really fits his uh it fits his character, I mm-hmm. think. This, oh, like, totally. slick customer. Yep. Yeah. You know. Um, and he's the only one who wears it no, in the yeah. entire series. It's hard to pull off a shark skin <laughs> suit. I got to say, like, the only other time, the only time I've seen one recently is I went to the par- Pink Martini show mm. last year, and one of their members was wearing one, and he could pull it off. He was, like, this really slim, stylish Asian guy. And I'm like, eh, you can pull it off. But mo- they're kind of sleazy. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but very 1920s. I mean, they're hmm. right up there with the zoot suit. They're, they're mm-hmm. just, like, ridiculous. <laughs> but 
they work on the right, right. person. And yeah, I think they work Sydney, on Sydney is the right person for that. Yeah. Um, and the West Melbourne coach had a beautiful suit as well. I mean, these are not cheap suits. These are expensive, well-tailored, beautiful suits. Oh, and the Abbotsford coach had this really interesting um, watch chain. He had a double watch chain and a ruby fob hmm. hanging from it, which I thought was great. Wow. I don't know if it was a real ruby. But um, it would be – it was interesting because normally the watch chain – is just on one side of the waistcoat, and then the, the the fob is in the buttonhole, and then the, the watch is in your pocket. But if you have a double watch chain, it meets in the middle. And so if you ever have to take off your waistcoat, like if you go to the bathroom or whatever, you have to, you have to take off the whole watch chain. Wow. So it's very impractical. And it's I think, I think that's a sign of richness, mm-hmm. having very impractical clothing. <laughs> You know, like like women's yeah, clothing, where like you can't do it up yourself. You have to have a lady's maid right. to do it. That's kind of a hallmark of wealth. That's true. It's. <laughs> I think really this stuff funny. is really fascinating. Okay, so Bert hires Phryne to yes. find the missing lucky hat that was stolen from the the, the Christmas plaid coach. hat. Yeah, yeah uh, ap- I think it was. Is it the Abbotsford? Coach? It is the Abbotsford okay. coach. I did not Joe get his name. McLean. Good for you. You are so good at that. I'm getting better at writing these down so that I can refer to them. So, yes. So, Abbotsford coach with his lucky hat. Which goes missing, stolen by That little tomboy girl. She's so cute. cute. And I totally know somebody who looks like her. It was driving me crazy. Every, every time I watch it, I'm like, who is that? It's yeah. like a neighbor or something. But she is selling oranges in the alley that is used in every single alley yeah, scene. Yeah, they only have one alley yep. in Melbourne, apparently. Love that sign, though, that fruit sign in the yes. background. Like, yeah. Is that, there was one on the wall, and then was there one on the crate, too? I think I that's right. I remember, I just, all I wrote down was the Greenwood fruit sign, but, man, some good stuff. Also, there's a number five somewhere. I want to say it's in the locker room, and it's this beautiful, very Ooh. 1920s five. Ugh. Yeah, where is that? Because I recognize that I too. Rem- I think it's on the side of the building outside. I I can't remember though. I is, is it in this episode or is it on it is. one of the car doors? Okay, there's um, another five on the car door in the, in the next, next one episode? that I also drew. I just yeah. draw fives. <laughs> <laughs> pages and pages of fives. Pages of fives. Yeah, where is that five? I don't know, but I it is really it's nice. It's at the top of my notes, so I'm guessing it's at the beginning. So it's either Must outside be. the building or it's in the locker room. Either one. So the locker room. I don't know where they get their hot water, but they apparently have an infinite supply. I mean, if that water was running all night yeah. and it's still hot when they happen you know, upon him. I believe that, though. If they have – it's probably an old boiler, and they probably would have put in a very large boiler on purpose because if you've got 20 guys all uh, taking a shower at the same time, true. they would have had a large boiler in there. That's true. So I could believe that. Still very impressive. In fact, I want that boiler because right. <laughs> right? I like long showers, wasteful as they are. <laughs> that is my big environmental sin, long showers. Oh. Yeah. Well, now we know. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't have air conditioning, but I take long showers sometimes. <laughs> Hail Marys and ten rosaries, whatever. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of ladies wear in this no. show. I mean... Not really. She oh she does wear is that the is that the Latvian coat that she wears yes. again? I love the collar on that thing because instead of having a lapel collar, it's a mitered 
collar. So it just turns a corner before it goes around her the back of her neck. It's very elegant. It is. And it must have been a pain to turn that corner and then embroider on top of that. I mean, yeah, I was staring work. at it wondering how much that would have cost. Oh, boy. I mean, I that, that coat is just so... I wonder if that's another vintage piece because uh, it really looks... It's beautiful. It's in perfect condition, though. Yeah. So... But, I mean, fancier stuff like that would yeah, be. I mean, it's I usually the so. everyday stuff that doesn't make it. Huh. That's true. Um, at the beginning, she is wearing kind of a navy blue ensemble. And yes. she's got that, that huge coat. pasmentary on her hat. A what? Um it's the French term for tassels. Oh. Yeah. That's what they call it when the, they put the big tassels on like curtains and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. There's a story by Edward Gorey. There's an illustrated <laughs> book called Les Pasmenteries Horribles. <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's all of the these, horrible tassels? <laughs> yes. There's all of these etching illustrations of... Um, people in like walk like a couple walking in the park or a child playing with jacks or something and then there's these tassels like these giant tassels like looming what? over them or like peeking behind <laughs> corners it's my favorite that edward gory so book random why would you choose a tassel i to love be that man evil... he's a man after my own heart oh. and my other favorite edward gory book is equally random it's called les unes utiles useful urns <laughs> And it has like these ur- like urns in weird shapes, and then labels on them. And one of like one of them says "mother." <laughs> Is that next to like flour yeah. or sugar or something? Oh wow! Okay, he's a genius. He's, he's a mad, crazy genius. <laughs> yeah. I love that man. Wow. Okay. I am, I'm still not over the horrible tassel. I can tassel. never look at a tassel the same. That is like, amazing. I've, I've had that book since, I don't know, for 20 years. That's and I so funny. I have never been able to look at tassels. Oh, my gosh. Way. That is a giant tassel on her hat. It's a lurking, looming tassel. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I have, okay, confession. I have a box of giant, ridiculous tassels that I've collected over the years. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. What? Yeah. You have, wow. Yes, I do. That's quite the revelation. Uh, they were for a project that was half baked and never, <laughs> never came of anything. But I think really it was because I love giant, ridiculous tassels and and you must have whole, a box of them. The whole project ruse was just oh, wow. a charade. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> maybe someday. <laughs> but I don't even need to because Edward Gorey has already done it. Like, there's no mm. topping that. There's no topping that. I don't know. Someday maybe you'll be known for your collections. Like Chihuly, you know? Random shit. (laughs) You make enough on your art that you can start buying all this other stuff. And then people are like, oh, look at all that that crap that he bought. My poor husband has to live with me. (sighs) He has collections too, though, doesn't he? Yeah, okay. He does. He has bronze pencil sharpeners, and that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are so pedestrian with your collections. I know. (laughs) I know. I need Uh, to do something like vintage heroin or something like something sexier than yeah of super tassels super sexy god i know <laughs> hey it's vintage yeah right <laughs> blue 
Oh, hat. oh right. Hat. So square neck blouse. Yes, and I want to point out those clip things. Yes, I wrote that down. They're like little like they're like little cl- nipple clips. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> they're like clamshell clips or like those little hair clips almost. Yeah, and they're, they're like kind of like an amber think, color. Yeah, yeah, I think it and it makes me think that I don't know if it's really this way, but it makes me think that in the show they would have been real amber. Mm. Which yeah, I would have been quite expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. Yeah, and then like bugle beads come down from it. And yes. If, and she has those matching amber teardrop earrings yes. too. So when there are a few times that the camera frames her in such a way that it almost looks like it's an eyeglass lanyard type yeah, thing. Yeah, that was what I, I was like, it's my grandma. So right. she doesn't lose and her I was glasses. like, oh, please no. Oh, please no. And then it's not. They just it's a end. tie. I think I it's don't... a tie if she wants to tie her jacket. Oh, that's what I they think, do. Yeah. I could not figure out why they were there. Yeah. At one point, I thought that they clipped her cardigan coat thing to the straps of her camisole so that it wouldn't move around. But then that's I think it's not it's a quite tie. right. I think you're right. I could not figure out what their purpose was. Also, let the record state, if I can go back to the tassels for a moment... Mary, right now, dear listeners, is wearing a necklace with tassels oh, on yes, it, I with, am. with oh my like gosh. eight tassels. <laughs> That's really funny. I you totally totally forgot. Actually, not horrible. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> That's really funny. This French is I not my language. That I was wearing tassels today. <sighs> yes, as though I knew. Yeah. Also, don't don't uh, add them to your box, though. I want right. these. I know. I know. <laughs> Also, as seen on pasties for burlesque dancers. Oh, yes. Although there weren't any at the show we went to. Nope. I was looking. There were pasties, I'm always but on not the tassels. For tassels. I, yeah. Yeah. For your collection. That's, um, yeah. So Dot is wearing, uh, of course, tan because, you know, she's Dot. <laughs> but that dress she's wearing when she has her little, when she surprises the coach with her knowledge of footy, mm-hmm. football, um, what is that? Is that mohair? Is that wool? It's really kind of interesting. Huh. It has like a halo to it the way mohair does. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a nice luxurious touch for once on Dot. There's also, when we, we, we get to know Rosie a bit more in this episode, I don't love that they kind of turn her into a green-eyed monster. Yeah. She's clearly jealous of Phryne, which I think that's unnecessary. Like, why is it that these two women have, like, if, why does the ex-wife have to be jealous of the new woman when she's not, you know, like, Rosie has a certain coolness. Mm-hmm. When Jack knocks on her door and she says that policeman's knock and she's kind of flirting with him and then she sees Phryne and she instantly kind of goes cold. Yeah. And she's very, she's cordial. She's not pissy to Phryne yet that we see that later. Because she's still in her honeymoon phase with Sydney, right? We don't know what a piece of work he is yet. Um, she, but she's awfully cool. She too. really is. Yeah, I mean, she's barely civil. I would say. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess I mean it is jealousy. At the root of it is jealousy. But I, I also know what what where she's coming from because yeah. I think. If you get out of a relationship, it's like you can't imagine the person that you just ended it with ever being happy with anyone else. It's true. Right? And, and I don't really need to meet the future whatever's yeah. of people in my past. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I have been in the situation where I've been thrust in having to be cordial to this person. Ugh. I understand that. Right. But it, at the same time, it feels like a trope. It feels like, mm-hmm. oh, 
I, I totally agree. The ex-wife has to be jealous. And it, it feels, I don't know, it feels like but a it feels, to me. It feels kind of real. It's I mean, true. how, it's not like they were going to be besties right off the bat. True, you but know? later she flies off the handle. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. Like, on the one hand, I totally agree. It's too bad that there's this jealousy between women because the show tries so hard to, to avoid, avoid that, that and, yeah. like, actually put women working together. And, and I have a comment on that front in a, in a bit. But, yeah, like, if they were immediately best friends, that wouldn't ring true either. True. I mean, even though Rosie got a divorce from Jack so she could be with Sydney and is presumably happy now with Sydney. I, th- I think what I I'd don't... like to see is, I'm okay with cool. But I think what I'd like to see is, I don't know, cool and detached rather than... Hmm. So I have another theory mm. about the coolness. Mm. And, and this is a charitable theory. Okay. Um, what if she is concerned about Jack's reputation? So she still respects him as a person, knows he does a great job, and she's heard the rumors about the Honorable Franny Fisher and mm. is concerned that he is spending so much time with this woman. I don't know. Mm. It's, it's a theory. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Does anybody really have cause to cause for concern for a man with power at this time when men had all the power? There was still really a lot of yeah. I, mean, I think I mean, not exactly it did. a lady like, of the night. She's no, but she's titled. She's moneyed, but she's scandalous, and that gets around. I she's suppose. in the paper, you know, like people. But she's also well respected because she's got a ton of money. And she has a lot of connections and she knows everybody Mm -hmm. and she throws her weight around. Yeah. Um, I think it did still matter though. Even, I mean, to some degree it still matters today. Just slightly different things. I suppose so. But but if she is concerned for Jack, then she's one to talk. She's hanging out with Sidney Fletcher. Right, right. Well, at that point he is just a But even at that point he screams sleazy with a shark skin suit. I know. I feel like any woman could pick that out so fast. Yeah. Like, ew, get away from him. Yeah. Gross. There's a shocker. Oh, what? He yeah. He's to be not a great guy. Um, I think it's interesting to compare Rosie and Franny's outfits because Rosie is very beautifully dressed as well. She's wearing that um, striped linen suit. Um, Where, which, which scene? Is it at the memorial service? It's either that, I think it is at the memorial service. Because she's be- wearing this striped thing and the the stripes are not printed but woven into the fabric yeah the blue is, is it a blue dress yes the blue, yeah. yeah okay that's what she's wearing when they come to all talk to oh, okay. Celia okay and yeah yeah I think that's beautiful but she she's wearing drop earrings that are almost identical to Franny's but Rosie's are made out of metal hmm. they're sterling silver not jewels huh I think there's a, that's a little I don't know I don't know how intentional it was but it's almost like a subtle indicator that her status is not as high as Phryne's is. Oh, and in fact, if she's taking up with Sydney, who is clearly wealthy, she's marrying up mm-hmm. in this case. Whereas mm-hmm. previously she was a policeman's wife. You know, she's, she's not poor by any means because her father is the deputy commissioner, but she certainly is not wealthy either. Right. I think it's kind of an interesting little that subtle. That is. Hmm. I don't know. I think I read too much into this stuff. <laughs> no, I think it's worth doing. They clearly put a lot of thought into the detail mm. in this show. So I think you're probably right. The, I don't have much else in the way of women's wear. Yeah. Um, so the scene where Phryne goes to the memorial service mm. and is standing there talking with Rosie, 
I think that scene's really interesting because they're, I mean, they do start out sort of in an antagonistic way. There is mm-hmm. some jealousy. There is, you know, some reservation there um, with the two women. It's horribly awkward. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That meeting at the house and, like, Jack and is... And Franny is smooth as cream, but, man, yeah, that's... She, and I think she's feeling for Jack because he is clearly, like, off his game. And yeah. she's having to swoop in and kind of pay, you know, smooth things over yeah. to get the conversation going. And Rosie is kind of cold and stilted um it's just so awkward it like makes me squirm yeah. <laughs> it's not even my deal it's like i'm not cringy. i'm not yeah. in the room but i am squirming um so they start off in a kind of difficult way but then at this memorial service they are standing at the side of the room talking together and and they're talking about celia and trying to figure out like what her deal is how yeah. her marriage was yeah also, um, by the way, it's kind of important that she was asking Rosie about divorce. I feel like that is information oh. that, you know, probably yep. should have come up sooner than just like an aside. Like, well, she was talking to me about some totally unimportant thing. And Franny's like, like what? <laughs> well, divorce. You're like, hello. Yeah. That's kind of key here. Yeah. Um, anyway. But I think there's an interesting moment where they kind of agree with each other, where mm-hmm. they both are having similar niggling intuition. And they talk about intuition, which, and so this is a pet peeve of mine, Mm. women's intuition. Mm. It's, it's not a thing. Should we just call it intuition? Yes, we should call it intuition. We should call it being observant and. Oh, but in men it's called, I trust my gut. Yeah, I, men have it too. I mean, it sort of robs them of this ability if you right. just call it women's intuition. Everybody has this ability to yeah. read like tiny little signs and she's, she tells, you know, she says what she's looking at and it blurs into, you know, she says it goes yeah. from intuition to something else and I can't remember what I the word is. Yeah. yeah, but it's, that's all intuition is. Like you're just right. reading very subtle signs that and anyone can do this. All I can think of is Silver Linings Playbook, which is one of my favorite movies where she goes, if it's me reading the signs... <laughs> That's, that's right. I that's forgot how about you that. do women's intuition if you're a badass, you know, <laughs> um, heartacre girl from Philadelphia. That was a good movie. Mm. So I like that they're working together on the sidelines there. Yeah. And, um, and then Franny has that great quote, I never presume to judge a woman on the basis of her morals. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Because I feel like that's what we judge people on. True. Always. Like that's... So how do you well, remove that? Well, especially if that? something scandalous happens, like there's yeah. a divorce or an She's illegitimate having, child or an having affair. Having an affair, yeah. We immediately want to assign blame. And well, it's usually moral in nature. Right. And then it informs the rest of our opinions of that person, yeah. whatever they do, you know? Yeah. So I, I just thought... That was incredibly progressive of her. Yeah. Um, I think there has been some Even evidence now, of that. Hello. Oh, I know. Absolutely now. Yeah. Like forever and ever, I feel like that will be yeah. progressive. But um, I wish that there were some lessons on how to do that because I am unable. <laughs> I would like to learn how to do that. I, I would. I would take a lesson. I, I feel like I'm getting better about that. I, I active, That's something I actively try to avoid because I... Here, here's a quick anecdote. My maternal grandmother, we didn't find this out until she died. So as soon as she died, she was the eldest of 16, or no, not the eldest, the middle of 16 children. Oof. We found out when she died that she was not 
the middle of 16 children. She was the middle of 15 children. And the youngest child was, in fact, her child. Oh. Passed off as her sister. Interesting. And I knew this aunt, who was not my great aunt, but turns out my aunt, my mom's, my mom's sister. I knew her, but not well. And she died untimely 20 years ago. So it's too late now to have any sort of relationship with her. Um, and this was a major scandal in my family. And I know that my aunt, my mom has an identical twin sister who lives near me about an hour away. And she, I think is still very upset about this. Um, my mom, I think is too, but not quite to the extent that my aunt is, hmm. but I mean, so I've heard it all from these gals, them telling me like what a terrible thing it was to keep that secret for that long and not tell them and how angry they were. And I can understand that. But at the same time, if it were me, I probably would have done the same thing. I mean, I think about trying to be in my grandmother's shoes. She would have been 18 or 19 at the time. That's just a girl. She grew up on a farm. Um, We don't have proof, but there's reason to believe that the father in question was the chief of police of the nearby town, which he would have been in his 50s at the time. There's actually a statue of him in town. (sighs) I went there a few years ago, and I'm like, you may have knocked up my grandmother. (gasps) And my grandmother wanted to be a nurse. She went to nursing school in Boston. If she had brought her baby with her, she never would have been able to do that. Her life, as she knew it, would have been over, I mean, before it began. And, I mean, it was 1939. I I don't think I would have done differently. Yeah, I don't think I would have either. Your yeah. life would be over. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And her husband, her later husband, my mother's father, knew about this. He kept the secret, too. Hmm. He died after she did. He kept the secret as well. Wow. Yeah. And, but... I can't I I can't be angry at her for her choices or or no. her lack of a choice. I don't know what happened. Maybe she well, was raped, maybe she was right. coerced. I don't know. And chief of police, I there mean, there certainly come was a power on. differential. A 15-year-old yeah. man and an 18-year-old girl, I don't care if she was technically an adult. There's no. a power differential there and yep. it's not my place to make a moral judgment. If anything, I make a judgment against him. Right. On that. Yeah. Well, I think lack of choices is exactly the yeah. issue. Yeah. She just, I mean, what choice did she have? Yeah. And of course, the burden of it all, whether or not this guy actually was the father, I have no idea for certain. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really matter because the burden of the whole thing would have fallen on my grandmother. Right. It would have fallen, it would have been entirely her fault. It would have been her job to bear the brunt of the shame and hide the kid away and everything else. And, <sighs> and so I have a major problem with this whole let's judge people especially women on their morals. And I, that story about my grandmother really kind of turned, changed things for hmm. me. And I, I don't know how much better I am at it now, but I really try harder to maybe get some facts before I try to form an opinion. Right. Wow. So I don't know. Tangent time. But. Yeah. No, I always <laughs> am trying to remind myself, I don't know the background of the story. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what was at play and why, the person made the decisions they made and yeah. it's not my place to know these things or even to make that decision. You yeah. know, like it's, I don't know. I don't know all the facts. Well, so like parenting is another big thing. Oh People geez. Love to <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Armchair quarterback that one. Uh, when I was pregnant with my second child, um, I had, I mean, you just have random questions as the pregnancy goes. And, yeah. and I was, I wanted to look something up online and every forum devolves mm-hmm immediately into one mother 
claiming that another mother isn't doing things right. And then all the other mothers come in and like, it's just like this big fight within about three comments on some random board that's trying to answer somebody's question. And so I finally would just ask my husband, like, will you Google this question for me and tell me roughly what people are saying? Yeah, I couldn't handle it. I could not. So pretty, pretty early on in the pregnancy, I was like, okay, I'm cutting myself off of any forums because yes, mothers, I mean, I don't blame you. Oh yeah. It's, it's hard. And I mean, I feel like parenthood, like you are just, you always feel like you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Even it doesn't matter what it is. And other people is. are probably always telling you you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Or like you're comparing yourself. I just feel like I am always doing things wrong anyway as my default setting. <laughs> so for anybody else to even. But how is that any different than anybody else? Like someone parallel right. parking a car or someone, <laughs> you know. Well, because there's I mean, another human's I, future I at stake. You I know. know. Like you're screwing your kid up immediately. I don't know. But I feel like we have a special hubris for judging whether people do with their kids. I, yeah. That's another one that I really actively <laughs> try to not state an opinion on because I know that if I'm in that, if I'm ever in that position, I will be furious if yeah. someone tries to presume things about me. And so I really try to do people the favor of not presuming things about what they do. That is very wise. It's just, oh. and people, t- I, people tell me things all the time, like, oh, can you believe so-and-so is doing that, blah, 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 and I just kind of like, you know, that's, they aren't my kids, I can't, mm-hmm. I really can't say. That said, of course, I've been around ill-behaved kids, and I've been like, ah, those damn parents, blah, 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 you know, of <laughs> I course. Know. Of course. I know, I try so hard not to, but sometimes... Yeah. Still, you still go there in your head. Anyone even, who's yeah. ever been on an airplane with a baby, you know, oh. like it's like this warring thing in my head of both like really feeling sorry for those parents and be also being really yes. annoyed. <laughs> I have now been on both sides of that. And yeah, yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> <sighs> I have a couple little notes. Um, when the deputy commissioner who is again in his black and white suit, because with him, Everything is black or white. <laughs> My husband was saying, no, no, that's because he's obviously the bad guy. And I said, but we don't know that yet. And he said, yeah, but he's in black. That's an old trope of the 19-whatevers. And I said, okay, but this show is actually a modern show. I still stand by my original point huh. that we've talked about before that he is a character who at least outwardly sees things in either black or white. And so, and Hugh also, his uniform is black. Hmm. He was also another kind of black or white character. Mm-hmm. But all the other men in this are always in shades of gray. Hmm. And I think that's really interesting. But anyway, in that scene when the deputy commissioner comes in, there is this gorgeous shot of Jack kind of leaning <laughs> leaning on the window and like looking through his eyebrows. And I did a little terrible drawing of him. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, he just, oh man, it's like a fashion plate right there. I, the leaning hubba. It is a thing. Hubba to the hubba. Yeah. <laughs> the, when, is that when he's leaning on the outside of the building? No, he's indoors. I oh, think he's okay. in his office. At this oh, point. okay. When he's outside of the locker room, I think it's so funny that like everybody and their brother is driving up and they'll have a two second chat with him and then drive away. That's how it feels. That's it's true. like he's in this this driveway and like Rosie and Sydney come by yeah. and leave and then like all these like coaches a drive come through, by. talk to Jack yeah, service. Exactly. <laughs> that is funny. The um I wanted to talk about the brief conversation that Jack and Franny have um when they're investigating 
Harry's body in the locker room. So they've pulled him down because he was strung up in the, sh- in the shower with the scarf. They've pulled him down. His body's on the ground, and they're looking at him. And Franny says, did you see his feet? There are these blisters. Mm. He has burns here. And Jack's response is very uncharacteristic. He says, you have your brief to write, and I have mine. Meaning... I don't care what you see. Like, he's just so incredibly dismissive of her observation. But he gets that way when the deputy commissioner is putting the heat on him, I feel like. Oh, huh. I think he's done this before. That is an interesting point. I hadn't put that together. I don't know. I could be wrong. He, it, it seems like he gets jumpier hmm. and less in control when he's under pressure from the deputy commissioner. Because not only is he in a position of authority over him, he also is his ex-father-in-law. Right. And I think Jack feels kind of honor-bound to impress this guy. But wouldn't he want Miss Fisher's help in this case, like even more than normal because he wants to resolve this? I think it's not by the book. I think, he's, uh, I think he's conscious of the fact that whenever he involves her, he's not doing things by the book. And the deputy commissioner is never happy when Franny is involved. <laughs> right. Totally he catches her with known. that scarf. Yeah. <laughs> the evidence bag. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, that's very true. I... It's just so unusual for him, for Jack to be so dismissive of her. And in one line, he just basically shuts her down. And here she's like trying to be helpful. She's trying to show him, hey, look at this very important thing. And um, just shut down. And then as soon as she leaves... Yeah, that's what he's he checking. He runs over to like, he cannot get there fast enough. And I feel like this... So... This is just such an anomaly in this it's show. Like he had a thankfully. little twitch of manness right exactly. there. Exactly, <laughs> because this is the kind. This perfectly illustrates like things that happen every it's like single a, a day. Woman, a woman states an idea. The man dismisses it and then says, "Hey, I have an idea." Yes, <laughs> but what it made me think of. I don't know if you heard the story, but the women in Obama's administration had they came together and like planned this. I don't know if you want to say tactic or just this way of handling things in meetings. And they called it amplification. And so what they would do in meetings is if a woman came up with a key idea, another woman in the room would sort of repeat it back to everybody and so make let sure it she be known that yes, a woman actually that came up Nancy with that. Nancy said or like repeat it back in such a way as to give credit to the woman who said it. Yeah, because otherwise it would just get lost. It gets co-opted. In, yeah. And can you imagine being that high up in your career as a woman? How many meetings have you been in oh, oh where your brilliant idea gets oh my God. stolen from you? And I'm a nobody, and that's happened to right? me a million times. It happens to every single woman. Yeah. And so if you're that high, like, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And if so, that had to happen in the Obama administration, right? right. what must it be like? Oh, wait, Trump doesn't have any women in his administration. Never mind. I just got Ivanka. And Kellyanne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I just found this so fascinating. What a good idea. But then I thought how sad. Was, how sad that it has to happen. I'm glad yeah. that it did. I'm glad that they got, you know, organized enough to do this. It's so pathetic that you have to do that. I but mean, it wouldn't work in almost any other situation I know. because you have can you imagine a workplace where you call all the women together? Every woman has a different idea of what 
they should expect as far as treatment goes right. in the office. Like, or if they even notice that right. it's happening. You have like the full gamut of ex- expectations. And you might and, not even be lucky enough to have women coworkers. You right. might be the only woman in that meeting. Yeah. I just, and there's <sighs> nobody to amplify what you have to say. Yeah. But <sighs> I love that they do it. I yeah. just thought that was brilliant. And, and just the whole idea of like women helping other women yeah. and being really conscious about yeah. it. Um, I promise to amplify your ideas if we're ever in a meeting together. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and I will do the same for you. Thank you. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, that whole idea of him just dismissing her and then immediately, like, picking up her mm-hmm. brilliant observation. Yeah. Yep. Pretty pretty accurate. Um, and, and like I said, kind of an anomaly for this show because they really, I think, try so hard to make Jack listen to her and not be just an average Right. He's a dude. reasonable feminist. Yeah. yeah, he is. Even and if he doesn't know that term. <laughs> yeah. In the, um, in the interview room when they are interrogating Stan Baines mm-hmm. and she, and Franny comes in, Stan Baines says, what is she, your fullback? Yeah. And, and Jack kind of goes like, I love the sports analogies. Eh. He's kind of like, yeah, I, I mean, he doesn't say anything, but his facial expression is like, yeah, pretty much. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. He's just acknowledging that, yep, she's helpful. It's true. So I have some really random little notes here. One is the other clubhouse, the West Melbourne clubhouse. Another beautiful space. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that building is very obviously a 1920s building. It's, it's a craftsman building. Um, but... In the show, and obviously they can't help this, but in the show, it looks very vintage and kind of worn. But that building would have been brand spanking new <laughs> at the time yeah, that this that's takes true. place. That building would have been no more than about five years old. Oh, that's funny. At that point. So I thought that was kind of funny. You have this like weathered clabbered on the outside. But the other thing is that I noticed, oh, first of all, there's this beautiful blue and black skinny pennant bunting around the inside of that hmm. clubhouse. And I'm like, oh, Pinterest! Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just narrower triangles than you usually see, and I thought it was very elegant. But the other thing that I thought was interesting was the scene where Jack and Hugh are talking about what to do, and Hugh is minding the prisoner on the pitch. And Hugh ends up challenging him or whatever to a game, and Dot shows up with the thermos mm-hmm. for him and everything. Um, that fence, that chain link fence, that cyclone fence, that is vintage cyclone fencing, I believe. Really? I, I think so. It's a different style than what you normally see. It's huh. not like the crappy um, chain link that you see now. And maybe it's just an Australian thing, but it, it is fully woven. And I think that's the same stuff that they used. That stuff was uh, invented. I asked my husband, I said, would they, would they really have cyclone fencing in mm-hmm. the 20s? He said, yeah, it was invented around 1920. And I believe that's what they used for the rabbit-proof fence that stretches across the entire oh. Australian continent. Yes, the Long Walk Home movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, which I still have never seen. No, I said, I, I'm kidding, because yeah. I totally called yeah. out the wrong movie. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't seen that one either. 
Well, that's fascinating yeah. if it's all the same. I, I'm constantly amazed at what you notice in this show just that it just is not even there. I and have no idea what's happening in the story. I just <laughs> notice, you know, the cyclone fencing. Um, <laughs> I wonder if there are different weaves of fencing. Because I remember being I'm in sure. Kansas and I went there's to... There's a barbed wire yes, museum. Yeah, and there's there. like a billion different types. I went to the barbed wire There's more than wire. one barbed wire yeah, museum. There's another I'm one sure. in like Montana maybe. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I went to the one in Kansas and was kind of amazed at the number of ways that there are to construct something that will poke you. <laughs> My in-laws live not too far from that museum. So, yeah. Um, that... I did I did do a little research on Aussie rules football, mm. if you care. I did want to see what the heck the difference was. I thought maybe it was derived from American football. Totally wrong. It's not. Um, I don't know the history of American football at all. So, Is it younger? I thought it was a younger sport than like British slash Aussie Yeah, football. apparently, um, I don't know when American football was developed, but it can't be that old. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aussie rules or Australian rules football or footy, um, was first played in Melbourne in 1859 from an exhibition school match that came down from the British Isles. And they adapted the rules for adults because it was originally kids playing it. Hmm. Um, it does have an oval ball or whatever whatever they call the same. It's roughly the same football that Americans use. So it's not a round ball. And apparently Gaelic football has a round ball. But Australian rules football is derived from, uh, it's kind of a hybrid of Scottish, English, and Gaelic football. Hmm. And it's, the main difference is the shape of the ball. And Australian rules football is played on an oval pitch, which is often a modified cricket pitch. Hmm. Whereas um, Irish football, Gaelic football is played on a square, a rectangular field. Um, and interestingly, unlike American football, you can't score by carrying the ball across. You only score by field goals, by kicking. Oh. Kicking the ball through the hoops like okay. Hugh did. Yeah, like Hugh did. Okay. Um, and That's the only way to score? Yeah. Um, throwing the ball is not allowed in play. <laughs> um, you have to either, I, I don't know, I don't know if you can pass it to another person by hand. I don't know. But you can run with the ball, but you have to kind of dribble it. You have to bounce it periodically. You can only you can catch the ball from kicks. If you catch it directly from a kick without it bouncing first, it's called a mark. And there's a hallmark of the sport is called the spectacular mark, where a player catches a kicked ball um, by jumping on the back and shoulders of another player. Wait, what? Yes, and there are photos of this, like what? very old photos of what? this. This sounds like a circus act. Yeah. Apparently it's like the thing in the sport. It's what? like what they aim for. Like I don't know if you get ex- I don't I don't think you get points for it, but it's like a crowd pleaser. Sure. So yeah, if who they like see jump that? off of someone else's back to catch the ball. <laughs> it's called a spectacular mark or a specky. A specky. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to work that into yeah. my language. Yeah, Seriously. Like, that was a specky right there. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, I think it's Who equivalent to like a hip this? check in hockey. Like <laughs> hip checks are really hard to get right and like flip the person over your back. And so if you get one, it's like, it's like, yeah. Who even came up with that? That's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, that that is the, um, interestingly, so I, there is no Abbotsford team as far as I can tell. And there's no, um, 
West Melbourne team either. I think okay. the closest one it used to be called Footscray, and now it's the Western Bulldogs. Uh, okay. Um, I think maybe Hawthorne might be the closest real team to Abbotsford. I'm not sure. Abbotsford is an Eastern. It's the east side of Melbourne. Melbourne. Um, interestingly, um, Australian rules football spread to both New Zealand and Af- in South Africa, hmm. and were popular in both places. But um, and they also do international matches with like Ireland where they play a hybrid rules on a rectangular pitch in a round ball, which I think is kind of interesting. But apparently, especially in Australia, Australian rules football was decimated after both of the world wars because oh. most of the players died. Jeez. In those yeah. Wars because people who are of an age to be in top physical condition for right. sports, they're the ones who get sent yep. to be cannon fodder. Wow. So there are a lot of apparently memorials and things for players who have died. I bet. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So back to the mystery in this one. Oh, yeah. There's a mystery. There's a mystery. There's a murder and... Big old block of ice. It's... Yeah. So again, I still... I One of them put him on ice and the other guy wrapped the scarf around, like removing the rope that was initially used. It just know. is so overly complicated. I don't really see how one person could actually hang him on the ice. I, I know. It would be awfully awkward, don't you think? I think it would take two people at least to do this. And those players are not little. No. They are, yeah. Although, um, It is Harry, kind of stylish and mobstery, though. Put him on ice. <laughs> so Harry was not, like, a giant guy. If you look at his body, he's actually, yeah, no, he's, he's, yeah. his face too, he looks he's like not a like Stan perfect, Baines. right, Stan Baines would be, that would take you like would, three people. You would, yeah, you'd need a small army to that dude's that huge. guy up. Yeah. No, Harry, I think maybe would be manageable. I, his face was reminding me of a silent movie star's face. There's just something about it. It's almost, I think like his, I don't know if he had like eyeliner on or something. It had to yeah, do with the maybe. eyelashes, but it really looked like a silent movie actor's face. Yeah. So also he was going like Bleh. Billy Zane in Titanic. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened to Guy Billy liner. Zane? I haven't seen him and I haven't heard of him in a long time. <laughs> That's true. So the ice. What yeah. is up with the ice that was at the party? Did you notice how perfectly jewel-shaped it was? It was odd. I remember it being cut in a very odd yes. way. Yes. The first time I watched this Certainly episode. Certainly not a Frigidaire ice maker, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. I appreciate. No appliance I've ever owned is capable of making ice in those shapes. So. But then again, they would not have had an ice maker in 1928 or whatever mm. year it is. They would have well, chipped that stuff by hand with an ice pick. I think it, they took it to a jeweler. They had a, like, cut. (laughs) Yeah, it was amazingly shaped ice. And then the um, maid who's trying to pick them up, like... It's so odd the way she's, like... Yeah, she, like, grabs it and it sticks. She looks like a cat in the snow. (laughs) You know, where the cat's, like, they lift one paw and they're like, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like this. It's so funny because she seems surprised to find that it's, like, sticking to her. I know, what is it doing? You're like, it's ice. It was was a really bizarre thing. Yeah. Um, I love, so Coach, the Abbotsford coach, he wears a red wool tie, which I just love. And Hugh wears a red waistcoat that I just love. (laughs) Um, And I also wanted to give a special little shout out to Sess's um, collarless shirt. Which I discussed this with my husband, and he thinks um, because collars were detachable 
back then because, you know, the collars and the cuffs are the first things to wear out on a men's shirt. Oh, sure. Although in my husband's case, it's always the elbows because he's skinny. <laughs> he always puts out the elbows of his <laughs> shirts. And there really are no, there's no, there's no fixing that. Yeah. Um, so my husband thinks that Sess is wearing a shirt without the collar attached. That oh, not okay. Necessarily meant to be worn that way, but he's just wearing it because he's not, it's informal. Okay. But he's got a great little mother of pearl button. Oh. On there. Wow. It's a little detail that I really I will have to check that like. out next time. Yeah. Huh. That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. That is in oh. the menswear column. And Sydney's car. She mm. has the dual windshields on his car. I did not notice that. That was a feature of really early cars. I don't I don't know enough I don't know what model his car is, but you see that sometimes on the really early kind of sporty Packards and things. Um that instead of one big windshield, they have individual windshields for driver and passenger side. Huh. It's kind of an absurd feature, but it's pretty stylish. And of course, Sydney would have had the latest and greatest right. in his car. So, huh. interesting tidbit. I d- did not notice that. Yeah. Once again, it's just like, didn't even exist for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 297 carved into Stan Bain's forehead. Hardcore. Yeah. I feel like this just went a little too far. Mm-hmm. Like, this... A little Freddy Krueger for, yeah. for my taste. I just felt like we that was sort of gilding the lily. I don't are these are these always complicated murders or is it just that I can't figure them out? I just can't be bothered. I Yeah, I think it's just my interest level I is very more low. I was concerned with that sexy little, you know, cruise ticket and um, you know, <laughs> and anything else. I I don't. That was uh, nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did you notice also in the Along the lines of nothing to do with the plot, but random things in the background. That's our show. At Sidney Fletcher's house, did you notice the wooden mantle on that fireplace? No. All wood. It was gorgeous. It hmm. was this crazy lathe work, Victorian, Dealey Bobber. Wow. Yeah. That All house done in is... like mahogany or cherry oh, or geez. something. Yeah. I'll have to go back and check that out. Yeah, it's pretty, it's actually not to my taste, but it's pretty... That whole house is spectacular. Yeah. I tried to, I did some research to try to figure out where that actually is, mm. but I did not find it. So, you probably have a lot of that stuff. Yeah. That era, that's when everything was built there. I'm guessing it's on the National Trust sure, list, I'm you sure know, it like is. it's part of their inventory. I'm sure it is. There is one little plot point. I love how Dot figures in this episode. Not only does she reveal herself to be understanding of football, um, and then there's the whole thing with the dog hair and her allergy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that little bit when she, um, the coach asks her, is it the coach that asks her what's she going to do? Oh, maybe it's Franny. Who asks, oh, Bert? When oh, they have kids. Bert. What are you going to do if you and Hugh get married? And she says, I'll just do what my mom did. I'll divide them up. Uh, girls for the West, boys for Abbotsford. And I think that is adorable. It is. It's like hyphenating your name, I guess. You know? Yeah, hyphenating your, your sports allegiances. <laughs> and Bert's response is pretty great, too. Yeah. When Bert <laughs> is shouting after her, it's people like you who bring footy clubs down. Yeah. That's such a great line. Yeah. So something I thought was interesting. So many of the characters talked about how all Harry cared about was the game. Like his wife, um, I don't know, one of the other players, 
I feel like there were two, definitely two, maybe three people who mentioned that all he cared about was the game. Mm. And what is interesting is that's usually not noted because men are supposed to just be completely 100% focused on whatever it is they are good at, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever they're known for. Um, and, and generally they're excused for bad behavior. They're like, oh, well he just really had to keep his mind on the game. You know, like every American football player, all kinds of excuses are made for all manner of terrible behavior. Behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always pinned on, well, he just is really good at what he does and needs to focus on that. Blow off steam or blah, blah, blah. But in this one. Or we can't prosecute him because it would ruin his brilliant career. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible excuses are made. But in this case, you have people actually saying kind of how it affected their lives, mm. his behavior, like his his focus actually disrupted his marriage, disrupted maybe a friendship. I can't remember what the other examples are. But, but I just thought it was interesting that's even called out mm-hmm. because we're so used to just like, yeah, that's, that's men. Yeah. They get to be single-minded. Yeah. Um, I think there's also something here too. I don't know... I, I don't know enough about the sports dynamic to really speak to this, but the fact that he changed teams mm-hmm. and how much bad blood there was over that. And I don't know, it must have been different then because now people get traded Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, to the point where I wonder what, what the point of supporting a local team is because it's going to be a whole other, it's going to be a whole new team in three years anyway. Yeah. It's just money. There really aren't any allegiances. Even teams get moved around. Right. You know, teams get taken away. Franchises get taken away often for money, mm-hmm. like you said. Like, oh, you don't want to build us a new stadium? Fine, we're going to Phoenix or right. whatever. That happens all the time to the point where I wonder what the point is of supporting a home team. Mm-hmm. But I guess in this in this case, I mean, in the 20s, I mean, I guess this would still be – this sport would still was under 100 years old. But – you know, these teams, I get the sense, have been around for a long time. I mean, these teams that I researched, they started in the 1850s or the 1870s hmm. and have been around all that time. So I suppose there is loyalty. Tradition. Yeah. Tradition. <laughs> yeah. The papas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have generations, you know, passing down this tradition. And I think it was just such a different world back then yeah. team wise I have to assume but I guess there is still some of this now I mean going back to Silver Linings Playbook this whole thing about the Eagles and mm. messing up the juju and all that or people Seahawks fans yeah being so hardcore but Seahawks are a young team the Seahawks are not that old hmm. I don't know I don't know maybe I just it's a foreign concept to me yeah I mean I do have I mean there are sports I love I ice hockey is my sport Baseball to a point, too, but really, ice hockey is my sport. And I do have a team, but it, I don't think about it all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I guess I don't. I wouldn't start a riot with some, you know, Colorado College is my team. I wouldn't start, I wouldn't, like, punch a Denver fan <laughs> because they live in Denver. Right. Like, I Yeah, I just don't, I don't get it. I always wonder if it's because I moved when I was younger that... I don't, I'm not from one place and like, yeah, you know, you live or that. die with and that. Same story. Yeah. yeah. So maybe my and, allegiance And I is... moved too and, and adopted another team. Like mm. when CC came to town, I still rooted for them, <laughs> but I adopted, I've adopted other teams since then. Just feels like people are so invested in the sports team that just happens to be in their area. Right. And I don't. And in college sports, like college, college hockey is my sport and 
you only get the same players for maximum of four years. Right. And yeah. it all rotates out. So I guess you love the coach. I don't, I don't really know. I don't get how these I, things work. Yeah, I don't know. I am not the demographic for this. <laughs> But, yeah. yeah, they were definitely bitter about that switch. This is how wars start, I swear to God. No, like, totally. Loyal t- loyalty to something intangible. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, like an emotional... Like, you, you would kill or die for something mm-hmm. that is an idea. Humans are very bizarre. Yes, we are. It is a really weird or thing. Or as Sherlock would say, yes, they are. <laughs> Which is so funny. It's just an alien. Sherlock... I have to tell you, this show, Miss Fisher, yeah. has ruined some other shows for me. Mm. Sherlock among them. I'm very sad about it. Really? Yes. Like the whole Molly Hooper business? or um, Just his demeanor. Because once again, it comes down to excusing this man for his terrible behavior and terrible True. treatment, especially women. But part of the joke is that everybody knows that he's terrible. Uh, yes. At least in the new one. I mean... And I have, I'm I have referring to the it, new one. Uh, yeah, I have trouble putting up with the original because it's like, he's such a dick. I can't handle. <laughs> I haven't watched that one in so long. He well, probably, I'm sure he is. Yeah. Stories, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. He's an arrogant prick. Yeah. Um, but I, I still love Sherlock because part of it is like, yeah, he's got Asperger's. Oh, my God, this guy. Can you believe this guy? What he just said? Right. But I yes, mean, he does get away. He gets away with it because he's brilliant and everybody knows it and they yeah. put up with it. And you I know, think if Molly Hooper started acting like that, she'd be out on her ear. I know. The women in the show are not treated well Almost at all. Almost non-existent. Almost non-existent and not treated well yeah. when they are there. And so I can't, I can't watch the show anymore. And it makes, well, it's, it's done. It ended this January. <laughs> Don't I tell think. me anything. I honestly, I didn't watch the last like two or three episodes. It ended? Yeah. I think this was the last, was this the fourth season yeah. that they were doing? Yeah. I think it was the last one. And I was out oh, after the first one. The, yeah, I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And it was all Miss Fisher. The yeah. other show that I'm ruined for is Madam Secretary. Mm. Um, which, Taya Leone, is that? Yeah, I love Taya Leone. Mm. And she's really good in it. But I just can't, I can't do it anymore. Mm. And yeah, makes me a little sad. Because the show has totally ruined my standards. Like, they are so much higher than you they were. You still like Gilmore Girls. I... It's definitely on my list. It's still American TV, mm-hmm. but there's zero. There's no. There's really no slut shaming. Okay. There's zero fat shaming, and Melissa McCarthy is prominent in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely will watch that. The thing that gets me on Madam Secretary is she's supposed to be Secretary of State, but then also be at home with her kids, like not necessarily making dinner, but like having dinner with her family. Quality time. Yeah. And yeah. like dealing with her teenage son's issues at school. And, but yeah. then, you know, later that night goes back to the office and takes a call from the secretary of China. I don't know. It just, it's like scandal, you know, like she's this powerful woman, but all these dudes in her life are whining that she's not devoting enough time to them. You it's know. yeah, or and literally it's holding her hostage to make her spend more time with them. <laughs> I haven't gotten that far. Oh, well, I've gotten one episode in, so it's not very far at all. But uh-huh. yeah, no, it's just the unreasonable expectations that are placed on women. I think that's what it is yeah. that really gets me now about Madam yeah. Secretary. Um, okay, that's my TV rant. You I, just need to watch the Great British Bake Off. I do. It's on my list too. It's I all, what I need to do is quit my job and watch TV and all the movies that I have on my list because yeah. they're it's getting very long. I I can't really have a job anymore. Um, 
Um, you should be a pop culture writer and then watch. Oh, that'd be awesome. But you know what? I bet it would ruin, ruin it. You know, I've joked at times about working at an ice cream shop so that I will be ruined for ice cream. That thing happened to my dad, actually. Really? um, It works? He got, okay, after he retired, he worked as a waiter at his favorite restaurant. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. He was very good at it. In the summer, they sold ice cream, so he had to like. <laughs> and it also they they sold it was a fi- it was a seafood restaurant, so they also had a fish counter, and so he was like, on Tuesdays I'm a fishmonger, and on Saturdays I'm an ice cream scooper, and he can't <laughs> eat ice cream now because he said all I can think of is hairy arms in the ice cream tub. And he was like, now usually the hairy arms were mine, but <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah. that's the mental image, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. So I guess the last issue was Nurse Dangerfield and that whole Man, there's just always so many abortion nurses. There are a lot, but I mean, there had to be. Like, you couldn't do it legally, so. Women have needed family planning, whether or not it is legal or not. Yes. Yeah. Since the beginning of time. Um, And here we are again. Yep. I know. (sighs) (sighs) Nurse Dangerfield, don't go anywhere. Yeah. So the issue of abortion is brought up in this and that... Very obliquely. Very obliquely. But but again, it points to the lack of options right. that the daughter, Moira, I think, had. Um, like my grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Lack of options and just what were... I mean, I don't even know if my grandmother could have considered abortion where she, she was in a rural part oh, of geez, Nova yeah. Scotia. I, that just... I don't think there were any nurse danger fields necessarily. Right. You know, I mean, and if, and if you took matters into your own hands, you were taking your life into your yeah. hands, which is what happened yep. here. This girl tried to intervene with herself and then, yeah. you know. It's really sad. Yeah. I've seen too many episodes of Call the Midwife to ever. Oh, geez. Yeah. I know. Uh, uh, okay. Well, that was a, that was a downer. Sorry about that. Um, this is a show about people who get murdered, so. <laughs> Yeah. It's usually so cheerful, though. Cheerful yeah. Murder. I mean, it's generally an upbeat show. So. Yeah. Um, but we can end with the delicious scene at the end of True. this episode. Where Rosie gets a little jealous. <sighs> she does. More than a little jealous. More than a little. She's even got Mr. Sharkskin Suit's arm around her, and she's, like, glaring daggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's not so happy about Franny accompanying Jack to this game at the end. And then this scarf, the transfer the of Jack's. Motion. Oh my gosh. So good. Yeah. yeah. What is it? Even a Collingwood girl would have to stay for that or something. And then he's like yeah. moving the scarf over and it all goes slow-mo and the yeah. crowd goes crazy and there's confetti. And they're not even watching. Oh, it's so perfectly done. It's yeah. really just a beautiful moment. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah. I always have to fan myself a little bit after that one. Hubba hubba. I know. It was just it, like the shot itself, regardless of what's going on, it's beautiful. Yeah. With the confetti and yeah. the slow-mo. Yeah. And that red, that maroon color that yeah. comes through that always matches her lipstick. And, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So well done on the cinematography there. I got nothing for a toast. I got nothing. I mean, maybe something about loyalty to your team. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. About... Or, or I don't know, or splitting up your your offspring, like I guess <laughs> to it's, split allegiances. It's somewhere along the lines of like deciding where your where your allegiances are going to be, like making that choice and then sticking with it. I guess I don't know. 
something that I don't fully understand. Like, I understand about picking a side, but I don't always understand about blindly following. I don't know. But okay. it is a thing. And to conscientious elite. People wear their rosettes proudly. So I guess if you, if you make your choice, own that choice. So maybe okay. the, the, the toast should be to owning that choice. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I'm so awkward.